Welcome to the Teaching Journeys podcast with Dave Roberts. A unique skill all humans have is the ability to share information across generations. And the Teaching Journeys podcast does just that. It creates learning opportunities with each amazing guest with a goal that each episode makes a positive impact on people worldwide. Before we hear from today's guest, please share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues, and don't forget to leave a rating, review, or both. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Teaching Journeys podcast. I am your host, Dave Roberts, and today it is a pleasure to have as my guest, Jenny Diltz. And I'm going to read Jenny's bio in her words. Hi, I'm Jenny Diltz, and I love grief. Most give me this really strange look and run the opposite direction when they hear this. There are some who get a little curious and lean in, and few are totally getting it, rush in for Anna Bryce. My passion is accompanying struggling people in their grief journeys as they convert grief into growth. I love guiding them to find long-lasting growth from their experiences without judgment, expectations, or despair. I also host a podcast, Share Your Story, Exploring Humanity One Heart at a Time. On my show, my guests and I dive deeply into real-life examples of what this conversion process can look like. Above all, I am a wife and mom to some of the best humans I know. My husband makes computer games for a living, and my six kids range in ages from 16 years to two months. And Jenny, I imagine with all you've got going on, you have a pretty full life. I do. And it's a fantastic one. By the way, welcome to uh, the Teaching Journeys podcast. I'm glad we could be able to reciprocate and have you on my podcast since I've been on your podcast a couple of times. Um, yes, so it's have, always. And... Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I love, I love talking with you. Simple as that. I love our conversations. Me too. And I'm glad we're going to have an opportunity to do another one. So you must get a lot of strange looks when you, you tell people that you love grief because I don't know too many people that do. Um, so how did you develop that mindset about, you know, just loving grief and, and Tell us about the steps in the pro your own process to get to that point. So it's interesting because unlike many, many, many people in the grief field, I came into this space not knowing grief. I didn't know what grief was. I don't have personal experience with a life-shattering death. So why would I even be in this grief space when I don't have that personal connection? So my story starts um, a while ago, probably like six years ago or something like that, six, seven years ago. And I had the privilege of sitting with a woman whose husband died suddenly. And it was only days after her husband's death. 
And I thought I was just taking a meal off, uh, dropping a meal off to the family. Um, our kids were in the same class at school. And so I was just helping out, doing anything that I can to support somebody in, who's having a hard time. Um, well, this quick meal drop-off turned into a three-hour visit. And I sat there and I listened. And I didn't think anything of it. That's just what I do. But then my therapist came back later and said, have you ever considered becoming a therapist? And with my youngest at the time being only like a year old and having four siblings, I was like, no, no, I can't become a therapist because it's not logistically possible because a therapist needs to go um, through a master's program. That's what I thought. And I don't, I can't do that right now. My job is to be a mom. So I kind of dismissed it. But then um, subconsciously and maybe a little bit consciously, the idea was percolating. Um, and it percolated for about a year, maybe a year and a half. And then I started thinking, maybe there's something to this. Maybe, maybe there is, maybe I do want to pursue some kind of support role. Um, and so I started looking into the, the end of life space, death, grief, dying, hospice, death doula, and none of those really seemed to fit. And then I found a training program that offered coaching for end of life, which includes the death and the dying process, grief, and also life coaching. And so I thought, wow, this is perfect. And it was all done online. And so I could do it at four in the morning when my kids were not up yet. So I went through that training program and it it was like I found my people, I found my tribe, I found my purpose, my passion, everything. It was such a perfect fit for me. And I just, from there, I just gravitated towards the grief space. And the reason I love grief, I acknowledge that it sucks. I acknowledge that it's super, super painful. Mm -hmm. That you wouldn't want to force that on even on your worst enemy. And I've learned that that's not all that's, that there is to grief. Grief can include the memories. The beautiful times that you had together. The lessons that you've learned along the way. The, the feeling of accomplishment. Of doing something that you thought was impossible. That you never thought you could do of the growth that can come when we lean into the grief and really internalize it. It's a beautiful thing. Or it can be. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the individual's perspective. If they can see the beauty in terms of being able to, to transcend the challenges that are presented as a result of death, and look at grief from a, a different perspective as one that can empower individuals to find their purpose and re-engage in a world that is different, but yet re-engage in that world with meaning, then our grief 
can become integrated, and our grief can actually motivate us to heights that we never thought possible. And we may have talked about this. Individuals have a choice in terms of how they look at the hand of, hand of cards that were dealt. And there are some individuals who are still wallowing in the muck after 10 years of, of after experiencing a loss. And um, But all we can do is plant seeds, present options for growth and, and, and encouragement that growth can occur. And that's the thing about grief. Time is relative. An individual can move from the raw pain of grief to acceptance that their world is different, but yet they experience a willingness to re-engage in that world. They can experience that at any time, which is why there isn't any set time frame for individuals to move through grief. And that's why, you know, the whole piece about stage theory that a lot of individuals subscribe to is really uh, is misleading because our, our grief, if anything, is more circular than it is linear. So, you mentioned the stage theory, and I love, I love Elizabeth Kubler Ross. She is mm -hmm. such an amazing individual. And she did such amazing work in her time for helping people deal with, manage things at end of life mm -hmm. to get the conversation going. And unfortunately, a lot of people have mis, uh, misappropriated, if that's a word, like they've, they've taken those five stages that she intended for the dying, the dying process where there's a finite end. There are steps. It is, it is more linear. Mm -hmm. Eventually at the end of the process, you die and everybody goes through that process. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but people have taken those five stages and applied them to grief. And that's where the, mm -hmm. That's where I think the error came in because they were never intended to be applied to grief. And I think even, you know, before she transitioned or, or died or passed away, however, our listeners conceptual and your listeners conceptualized up, um, she disputed that. She kept saying that her stage theory was not meant to be extrapolated or applied to, to individuals. To grief. It was meant mm -hmm. to give individuals at their end of life a vocabulary for their end of life chapter. And um and she is she is well known for her her body of work, which I think a lot her body of work aligns with I think you know my philosophy and I think the philosophies of a lot of grief coaches, a lot of individuals who support um grieving individuals and and with a summary of research that I have read on stage theory disputes that stage theory applies to the grief process consistently. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So I think if anything, what we can do as individuals who are working, you know, in the field of thanatology, in the field of death and dying, or just doing bereavement support, is that we, we extend that message that stage theory does not apply that you're it's not pathological if you're grieving still grieving three to five to ten to twenty years or the rest of your life after somebody mm -hmm. somebody somebody has passed or died or transitioned so and that we need to get that out there that you know grieving is a is a part of our everyday existence 
yeah. and can continue until the day we transition. Absolutely. I worked with a client one time um, whose husband died by suicide and the death occurred probably 40 years earlier. But when she, um, when she met me and when she came to me, she was that at that time, she was ready to process her grief. And even when she came to me, it wasn't her grief that she was concerned about. She was concerned about her kids' grief. But as we were working together, she started developing a, a stronger sense of self. And then she started working on her own grief. Her kids could do what, what they would do. She was going to work on her own grief. And it was really amazing to see that transformation, to see the shift in mindset, in attitude, in capacity to grieve, mm -hmm. and even in her physical surroundings. Yeah, and then that's the to me the beauty part about working with grieving individuals is that you see the transformation, you see the shift, and 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 especially when you commit to being with them for the long haul, you see the sadness, you see the pain, but you also see the growth. Which, by the way, mm -hmm. growth and pain are two separate things. Growth never occurs as, as a result of the pain. Growth occurs as a result of the challenges that we experience from the grief. So, you know, it's to, to be able to witness that transformation is what keeps, keeps coming me back to bereavement support. Um, because we witness the stories, we witness how, how their, their transformation alters the narrative of their lives to, to be more in alignment with, with reality, particularly mm -hmm. reality after loss. Yeah. And that's why I love grief It's because with every, um, every client, every workshop, every speaking gig, every podcasting opportunity, every, everything I do, I get to see so often those little light bulbs of transformation, of perspective shift, those little light bulbs of growth. And it's incredible. Yeah, and that, I think, is for me, that's what keeps me coming back, and that's what gets me to look at both the yin and yang of grief. Um, we mm -hmm. could say that for the yang, let's say, for example, is the positive side of it. That is the positive side as we witness individuals' growth as a result of challenge. And we are, are privy to it, and we think, wow, we may have had, actually had a hand in this. And it just keeps us going. It inspires us. And for me, who's had a plethora of losses and, and who's somebody who has danced with grief since I've been a child, that inspires me as well, too. And that keeps me going. Um, so, um, and that's why when people ask me, how can you listen to such sad stories? I said, yeah, it's sad. But if you hang around long enough, you see, you see the, the positive side. You see the growth. You see the transformation. You see individuals now committing to service to help others. That makes it for me all worthwhile. Yeah. 
And when I was sharing a little bit about my background, I didn't share the part that just because I haven't experienced that personal life-shattering death doesn't mean I haven't experienced grief because grief is universal. Mm-hmm. Every single human on this planet will at some point experience grief mm-hmm. and experience grief in a really big way. For me, one of my biggest griefs was being dismissed from my grad program. Um, that was my life-shattering loss, or one of them. And I didn't, the thing is, though, because it wasn't a life-shattering death or the death of a loved one, I didn't recognize it as grief at the time. And in fact, I didn't recognize it as grief until probably three years into helping others with their grief. Mm -hmm. I was talking with a, a therapist friend and telling her my story, and she's like, that's a loss. That's a huge loss, and that's even a traumatic loss. That is grief. And at that point, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, I know grief. Grief has been my best friend for the majority of my life. And and there are losses that are due to death, and there are losses that are just as traumatic that are not due to death, that represent the loss of dreams, that represent the loss of career possibilities, um, and that have just as much of an impact. And the way I look at it is I'm going to meet somebody at their what, whatever their worst loss is. Just the worst loss for me, Jenny, as you know, is the 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 transition of my daughter Janine from her physical life over 20 years ago. But it doesn't mean I can't meet you where you're at at your worst loss, which is the loss of, you know, graduate school. School. I, I mean, so I can meet you there because I've experienced tragedy. I can, I'm willing to meet you there and meet you where at your worst loss and be present for it, bear witness to it, and allow your story to evolve and provide any suggestions or guidance that you you uh, you require from me. So, and that's why I don't get into comparison of loss anymore. I know what mine is, but it doesn't mean I can't meet you at your worst loss because your worst loss doesn't have to be mine. Yeah. And that's another thing that that's another reason why I love grief so much is because grief is, is universal. Everyone experiences grief. It's also very, very individual. Like you were saying, your, your worst loss is not the same as my worst loss. And that's the beauty of it. It shines the light on our individuality, on our uniqueness, on those those quirky differences in personality, upbringing, culture, life lessons, experience, family, family history, um, spirituality. What like every single part of us is unique. And when we grieve, that's an experience of individuality. Mm-hmm. All of our individuality, all of our individual pieces comprise that unique grief experience. And we can learn from each other's losses. We can learn from each other's grief journeys, how we choose to process grief. 
I can learn something about grief from somebody who is a year into it, two years into it, even though I'm 20 years into it, I can still learn something. I can still benefit from that. And I think when we have an individual that says, I want to tell you my story of the most worst tragedy of my life, they trust you enough to do that. And I've always considered that to be one of the greatest gifts I could ever receive is to have somebody entrust me with such an intimate part of their lives. Absolutely. And that's what I found when I was sitting with my friend whose husband died. She was trusting me with the trauma, the confusion, the pain, the heartache, the what do I do now? How do I move forward with this? How do I incorporate this? in the most tender and raw and vulnerable parts of her life, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And I could certainly see how your love of grief translates to your work as a grief coach, because my guess is you communicate what you've learned and experienced with great enthusiasm and passion to your clients as well, too. We do have a lot of fun times in our sessions. <laughs> there are ses- Of course there are sessions. When we're crying, we're both crying, and that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. The next session may, may be both of us laughing hysterically at a funny memory or a funny twist in fate or something someone said. It's fantastic. And, and it is. And, and I, in my, the death dying and bereavement class that I teach at Utica University, I tell my students, you know, we are going to have fun learning about death. And they look at me like I have two heads. And then, <laughs> and then I've, I've actually had students tell me at the end, you, you know, Dave, I had a really fun time in your class. I said, who would have thought you'd have fun talking about death? Um, and I tell my students, talking about death doesn't mean you're going to die. But we can create yeah. an atmosphere where it's 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 welcoming, where it's light, where you're comfortable talking about a to- topic that is very difficult to address, especially when you're 19, 20, and 21 years old. Mm-hmm. So, and and yeah, I mean, I've had sessions where we've laughed hysterically, where we've cried, um, and, and but that's a microcosm of life. There's some days we're going to be joyous, some moments are going to be joyous, other days are going to be sad, and other moments are going to yeah. be sad. But that's that's. That's life. It isn't all happy. It isn't all sad. It's this kind of beautiful mixture of contrasting emotions that make up the symphony of our lives. And that's, that's what grief is. It's like a, a beautiful mosaic that has all the colors, shapes, textures. Yeah. My question is, how can you not love grief? But I know that everybody's there, so <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but yeah, that's true. And hopefully, and hopefully everybody will get there and, and where we learn that any emotion, good or bad, has something to teach us about ourselves and it can inform us about who we are, what we want to be, or, or what and who we don't want to be. And it's cool to be able to feel all of these things, to experience all of these emotions. Rocks can't do that. No. Some animals can't do that. But human beings, we can. We have such a broad range of thoughts, experiences, emotions. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
What are the qualities or expertise that individuals should be looking for before they retain the services of a good coach? First and foremost is presence. Can that coach be completely present with you with whatever you bring up? The happy, the sad, the anger, the the denial, whatever, whatever you're bringing to the session. Can you be yourself? And will your coach be present with whatever comes? Um, and I think from there, that's fundamental. If you don't have that, keep looking because there is someone out there for you. From that presence includes connection, authenticity, willing to be yourself. Like the ability to be yourself, the ability to have a safe, the, the, having a safe space where you can talk about anything, express anything, or sit in silence and all of it is okay. And willing to learn with you. Someone who, like you were saying, Dave, whether it's one year, 20 years, a lifetime is willing to walk with you in the journey where you're teaching and learning with and from each other. It does. I, the power of presence is something that, that can't be understated. Um, I mean, if you don't have presence or you're not willing to be present or you're constantly distracted with other thoughts, that person, therapist or coach, isn't the person for you. Is there anything else besides presence that you think is important for, now if you were looking for a grief coach, is there any other qualities besides presence you would be looking for that would be important to you? Having a safe space. And that goes right, it goes along with presence. So like I was saying, presence is the foundation. Everything else is added on top or built on top of presence. And individuals who are traumatized need that safe space. They need to know that where they're going is going to be a safe place for them to share, to simply be. If they need to be quiet, if they need to cry, they can do so without being judged, without being pressured. Um, and particularly individuals who have experienced trauma, any kinds of trauma, safety and structure are key. If they don't feel safe, they're not going to share with you, period. And, and if they feel safe, their story is gradually going to come out at their speed, but it'll come out as long, and, and they'll keep coming back because they know that you and the space that you've created is not only sacred, but more so it's safe. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad you said at, the, at your speed or for the clients at their speed, because it goes both ways. As a grief coach, I'm researching, interviewing. I'm having that get-to-know-you conversation with my potential clients, too. Is this someone who is ready and willing to work on their grief? Mm -hmm. 
is this someone who is going to be present with me? Is this someone who, who will accept this safe space? So that again, we can both learn from and teach each other. Absolutely. What is your formula for helping individuals convert grief to growth? How do you take them through that process? So it's pretty simple. There are three steps. The first is awareness. Being aware, oh yeah, this is grief. Like with me when I was released, when I was dismissed from my grad program, I didn't know that that dismissal was a loss and that I was grieving. I didn't know that for probably 10 years later. So I needed to be aware of it before I could even work with it. So the first step is awareness. The second step is acceptance. And some people will bristle up, I know, when I say the word acceptance. But it's not accepting. It's, it's not accepting it um, with like a pox, toxic positivity type acceptance. It's accepting the fact, yeah, I'm grieving and this sucks. This is the way it is. I cannot change what's happened. Um, I was doing an event actually yesterday, and one of my participants said, it's the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That was my daughter's favorite prayer, the serenity prayer. That's awesome. So that acceptance piece isn't isn't um, accepting that it has to be terrible for the rest of your life. That's not it either. It's it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And another piece of the acceptance is stopping the struggle. You're no longer fighting against your grief. So with my little one, um, sometimes his body gets so agitated. And it's usually right before he goes to sleep. He gets super, super wiggly, super, super fussy. Until that moment where everything is stillness. And that, that moment where he accepts it. And he, like, he stops fighting. That's when he goes into the peaceful sleep. And that's the same with us. When we stop struggling against it, then we can move forward into that last, that last piece. And that last piece is appreciation. What can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? Yeah, I, I think with appreciation comes gratitude. You know, we, mm-hmm. we, are, we are grateful for the things that we have in our lives as opposed for the things that we don't have in our lives. And I like your definition of acceptance because that aligns with mine. Um, I and a lot of I think what scares a lot of people is that they'll equate acceptance with closure, and there are two different things. There's never closure to the life of an individual. We always mm-hmm. will keep that person in our hearts. They will always be a part of who we are until we are 
ourselves transition from this world. But acceptance for me is realizing that my world has changed. I cannot do anything to go back to the way it was and that I've committed to re-engage in the world and re-engage in life to the best of my ability with meaning, with purpose, and with a compassionate heart towards myself and others for the remainder of my days. But yet also at the same time honoring and grieving when I need to grieve those individuals who are absent because knowing that grieving is also going to be another part of growth for me. Absolutely. Grief is a, is a, a friend that keeps on giving. Yeah. And I, and I've learned to make friends with that, Jenny. I've learned <laughs> to make friends with my grief. Um, I fought it for a long time, particularly in early grief. So go away. I don't want to deal with you. But, you know, just like a, a beach ball that's submersed in water that once you, once you, you can submerse it only so long. And then once you let the pressure off, the ball comes right back and looks at you. And with grief, you can only suppress it for so long and it's going to come back. And it's going to say, I'm here. Let me teach you. Let me make friends with you. And in early grief, that's, that's a tough thing to, to reconcile. But I had to, I had to accept grief as, as much of a companion on my journey as growth and as happiness. And also found out that grief and growth can be, can be connected if we allow it mm -hmm. to, and if we're open to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I was doing a panel on suicide one time and one of my panelists shared that when I said grief is my friend or something like that, she was like, I don't know that grief is my friend yet, but maybe a, an irritable bed companion or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I, I understand not everybody is friends with grief and I'm not friends with grief all the time. Sometimes when grief comes to knock on my door, I'm like, er, I don't really want to see you yet. Yep. <laughs> and I close the door. <laughs> yep. Yep. And that's okay. Because mm -hmm. I know that grief will come back again. Yeah. And sometimes we have to empower ourselves to say, now's not the time for me to deal with this. I need to, to do something else rather than deal with something I've had to deal with, you know, for the majority of my days in time. So. Well, this, this is, this is pretty cool. I think this, so too. <laughs> this is pretty cool. Um, who would have thought we'd have fun talking about grief? You know? Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Besides Jenny. Besides Jenny. All right. But anyway, anyway, give our listeners one or two takeaways from your life experiences or life path that can help them effectively navigate their own life challenges. What do you want to leave our listeners with today? The... Like the one nugget that I would leave is your life is perfectly tailored for you. And it's not going to be the same as everybody else's. It's perfectly tailored for you. And it's beautiful. You're known and loved in more ways than you could ever imagine. So lean into that. I think there's more beauty in our differences than there are in our similarities. 
So if people want to contact you, if they want to find out more about your services, more about what's going on event-wise or project-wise, or they want to contract with you for your services, what is the best way for them to get in touch with you? The best way is actually to um, join my email list because that's where I send all of my announcements, my um, upcoming events, my services what I'm up to, my personal grief stories. So join, uh, subscribe to my email list. And an easy way to do that is to go to my podcast, Share Your Story, Exploring Humanity One Heart at a Time. And you can find that anywhere where you, receive, where you get your podcasts. And in the, even in the description of my podcast, I have a link to a free PDF that you can download. And it's all combined when you subscribe to my email list, you'll get the, the PDF. And it's two steps that you can take now to help make your grief a little bit more manageable. And it's not even to get you to the point where I am, where you love grief, grief is your best friend. No, it's just, I'm drowning, I need help. So it's two simple steps that you can take to breathe a little easier. And that, all that's on my podcast. And I would strongly suggest to my listeners, check out Jenny's podcast, subscribe to her podcast, leave a rating, leave a review. She does a great job. And I'm not saying it because I've been on a couple of times with her, once with me and once with um, uh, Patty Farino, um, who Patty and I co-authored a book together. Um, and, it, and Jenny had us on to talk about our experience and what we did the name of that book. and is the when the psychology professor met the minister so so yeah i'm doing a little bit of self-promotion you know which i don't usually Fantastic. do on the podcast but hey i figured that there was it's totally I, good I, yeah i figured it was that there was kind of kind of a good segue into that because we patty and i talked specifically about how our relationship grew and and um you know how she helped me uh find peace through you know after my daughter janine's transition so um, but anyway, Jenny, it's been such a blast having you on the podcast. I hope we can do this again sometime. Um, and now I'm, I'm kind of learning now to love grief. So thank you. Yay. <laughs> so thank you. Um, thank you so much, Dave. Uh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. Um, and with that. That's a wrap on another episode of the Teaching Journeys podcast. I am your host, Dave Roberts, wishing you peace. Thank you for listening to this episode. And please remember to share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues. And don't forget to leave a rating, review, or both.